This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 26th, episode 2126. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, this is the Western episode that we do with Tara. We do this the fourth Tuesday of every month, and you can go back and actually listen to the past episodes at horsesinthemorning.com. Tara, so good morning. We have a good show planned for today. Tell us a little bit about some of our guests. Well, I am looking forward to today's show for a lot of reasons. Um, first one is that I just went to Art of the Cowgirl a couple of weeks ago in Arizona, and it was one of the very best equestrian events I have ever been to. And so I asked uh, Mesa Pate to come on and tell us a little bit about that, recap the event. And then we have Amberly Snyder coming to join us, talking about the upcoming movie that tells the story of her life. And then one of our auditors, Ann, asked a question about horse brands. And so I've got a, New Mex- a brand inspector that's on the New Mexico Livestock Board to help us find the solve the mystery. Huh. Very cool. I'm, I'm looking, really looking forward to having Amberly on. It's been a while. She's been on our show before, but uh, I'm looking forward to having her back because a lot's happened in her life, and uh, she's now a celebrity. So we're yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a stunt double and a stunt double apparently. So there's a lot of irony in Amberly. What we're going to find out with Amberly's situation and the movie that's coming out about her. So I'm really excited for that. All coming up uh, a little bit later on today's show. So our first guest is about is coming on to talk about the event that you just mentioned. And uh, what else have you done though in the meantime? I feel like I've not been home. Uh, but <laughs> I know we, you've been on the road. I know. I was thinking about it today. I was like, Gun's going to ask me what I've been up to. And I've been gone every weekend. We've been to horse shows, and we went. To, I went to Art of the Cowgirl. Uh, and, you know, kids started school back since, since I think, the last show. Or no, they started back. So, really, we've just been horse showing and riding horses and going to some fun events. Very cool. Well, I, uh, your first guest is ready, and this is the one that, that uh, we want to hear about because you were so excited about this. I was. When I, when I first saw Art of the Cowgirl come on, we asked Tammy Pate to come on and tell us about it. And it was a first event, you know, and I thought, well, this would be a great one to go to and really see how it grows. And it seemed like it just blossomed 
overnight. And I know that's not the case because anytime anything is a success, you know, there's years of hard work behind it. So we went to the event. Probably it is one of the best events I've ever gone to. Um, and so I just wanted to ask Mesa, who her mom is Tammy Pate. She's the one who came on originally, if she would come on and kind of recap the event with us. So good morning, Mesa. Good morning. <laughs> so Mesa, what what role did you play in help the art of the cowgirl being such a success? What was what were you so responsible for? <laughs> Well, it seemed like uh, we had a really great team and uh, everybody had a lot of responsibilities and being the first event, it seemed like it kind of everybody's responsibilities kind of overlapped. But uh, my, my technical role, I guess, was I produced the ranch rodeo and the elite ranch horse sale. And that's what my mom, you know, this is her, her dream, her deal. And that was what she originally brought me on to help do. So how many teams did you have in the Ranch Rodeo in its first year? There was 25 all-women teams. <laughs> That's really impressive for any event, but especially one in its first year. And and how did yeah, the... Yeah, it was crazy. It, what happened when the... So how many? How did the Ranch Rodeo work? Did you... Did you, all 25 com- teams compete at the event? So... Or did you make a certain amount of teams back to the finals? How did that work? So the the original twenty five, we had a prelims on Friday on Friday at Buckeye South Buckeye Equestrian Center, and so then we t- brought the top four back, and we did that so everybody who made it back to the short go got a check, and then each event in the long go, uh, each event was paid a first and second place hole, so it was a really pretty good paying event. And then, uh, that the arena at the Corona ranch, it's, it's a Mexican Lienzo. So it's very, very round. It was a big round pen. And I was a little worried about, about doing too much there. So we kind of condensed some of the events down. And, uh, the unique part of this event was that the ranch horse class was kind of its own. We drug from the entry fee and paid out the ranch horse class, uh, it kind of is an individual event as well. And then it also, you know, went towards the ranch rodeo average, but that, that turned out to be the coolest venue at the Corona ranch to do that ranch (laughs) horse class. Uh, Those girls, they did such a good job showing their horses and man, it was, it was so cool. So um, a Mexican Lienzo, for those of you who haven't been to one of those, it's a, it's basically a giant round pin. I don't know if there's a better way to describe it than that Mesa, but there what's great. I mean, you can fit about four round pins inside it. It's that big. It's a circular arena, but what's so great about it from a spectator standpoint is everyone's got a great seat. So when these horses yeah, come in and good. So, so when these horses come in <laughs> and these girls did awesome, uh, they did an awesome job showing their horses and to do a raining pattern in a circular arena is not easy. And so they, and they had to, they had to box a cow, which we've talked a bit, a little bit about on the show, but there really is no flat place to box a horse. And then some of them even got a fence turn and there really is no place to get a fence turn. So just, it just even added value to me to see these horses be able to still complete the maneuvers and the requirements and the riders in a different situation that is definitely not ideal for the participant, 
but yet ideal for a spectator. So it just added value to the horse. <laughs> Did all of the ladies yeah, participate and- in everything? Or what, you know, was it kind of an all around score? Tara, describe the weekend. Go for it, Mesa. <laughs> yeah. So how'd it work? So, so the, the ranch rodeo was open to all women. And there was a, 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 quite a few of the girls that had horses in, in the horse sale that competed as well. And so that, so on Friday, you know, there's 25 teams that competed at South Buckeye. And then, like I said, we brought the top four back on Saturday to the Corona Ranch. And so they competed, those top four teams competed, uh, one girl on each team showed a ranch horse. And then we did a branding, a reverse team roping. And uh, I think that's it. I think just those three events. It's all kind of a blur now. And then, but then, but then you <laughs> but, had a sale uh, of the horses or had it? A- yes. On Sunday we sold, and, and like I said, not every horse uh, that competed in the, in the ranch rodeo was in the sale, but most of them were. Um, I think that there was two, two horses that were on uh, the second or third place team. Anyways, there's two horses from the short round that sold at the sale. And, uh, yeah. So, and then there was a few gals that competed also in the short round, but they, they, you know, had different horses in the sale. And like in relation to the event, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a a ranch rodeo and a horse show. I mean, a competition and a sale, the whole event was about celebrating so many aspects to me of the, of the Western lifestyle. And really when you think of art of the cowgirl, just the atmosphere there. So what they had is, you know, they had this, this pre-ranch rodeo to basically prepare for the finals, which was held at the event. Well, the event had, uh, saddle makers and boot makers and photographers and, uh, artists and sculpturists. I don't know if that's the right word there, but they all came and showcase and all, all women hat makers that came and showcased their art and they gave presentations on how they do things and how they lay out their patterns and then you could walk around the whole event and you could see you know see their trade and you know see beautiful things made by different cowgirls and different people in the industry and then throughout the day they had all kinds of demonstrations not just on art, but on horse stuff too. So they had trick riding and ranch roping and colt starting. And the colt starting, I really, I really loved because they brought in some very talented individuals in colt starting, but they came from different aspects of the industry. So it was, it really was a celebration of so many things that, that cowgirls do in, you know, to keep this way of life going. And, just the atmosphere there was, I don't even know how to do you. How would you describe the atmosphere there, Mesa? You know, I think that the coolest thing that was such a big Testament to what this, this event was about was there was a lot of women together and not very many fights ensued. So it was really, (laughs) you know, testament to camaraderie in our industry. And I think that also is a testament to how, how badly, an event like this has been needed. And and the other mm. thing that I thought was so cool and, you know, in, in the ranch rodeo and the colt starting was that you, Tara, you go to a lot of horse events too. And, and you see behind the scenes, there's always a wife or a mother or somebody that's watching a run in the cow horse class or whatever that's cheering for them. And when you looked around art of the cowgirl, you saw the same thing, but it was husbands and fathers. And, you know, it was so cool to see so many men supporting 
women, because and that's what this was about. It wasn't this whole women are better than men thing, or you know, that there was no none of that. I never felt any any of that, and it was just such a cool celebration of families and you know the way we do things and the way each different individual does things. And I thought that was really uh, what made it made the event as unique as it is. Macy, yeah, you just really- had the line of the month. We are, we are going to timestamp that and play that over and over again here on the show. You know, it was funny when they they uh, did a Calcutta for the teams for the Ranch Rodeo teams, What's and that I mean? did happen What's to. That mean? Uh, so a Calcutta is when they'll take and they say, "Okay, here's the four teams. Now, who wants to buy the first team? Who wants to basically place their wager that this team will win?" So there's an auction, and you know that person buys this team for a thousand dollars or, you know, people sometimes will go together and they'll pool together to buy a team. Yeah. Yeah. Like a raffle. But then the, but you know, then you get a payout based upon who wins if your team wins. And that's, that's separate from the the competitors. I think this one, they, they split it with the competitors, which I always like, but I did at the moment. they, uh, They actually, a percentage of that went back to the fellowship program. So I think it was it was like ninety percent payback and ten percent went back to the fellowship program. Yeah, and if I could pause a little bit on that, what is just kind of talk about how that really is the heart of this, right? Is the fellowship program? Is it, yes, is and it, that and I hope that doesn't get lost in all the other exciting things that happen. Is the whole the whole point of my mom doing this is this fellowship program and it, it everything any money made on this event. And basically the event was a fundraiser to, to fund these fellowships. And what it does is they choose uh, from whole slew of contestants or, you know, applicants, uh, a person to send to a saddle maker or boot maker, or, you know, their respected trade to, to further that trade. And it's something that, uh, you know, there's a lot of, and that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, only available for women. There was, you know, it doesn't matter who it was that, that applied for it, but there's a lot of situations where there's very talented gear makers or artists out there that because of life, you know, life on the ranch or funds or whatever it is, don't have the opportunity to ever grow as artists. And that's something that my mom struggled with when we were growing up. And when she was young is that, you know, she was very talented and and she just happened to have, the right connections and people who saw the potential in her and uh, helped her along the way. And that's what she wanted to do for the rest of the industry. And that, you know, that's, I'm really proud of her for that. And she, she didn't do it to gain anything. She literally did it because she believes so much in this industry and the people in it and the up and coming people that are going to keep carrying it. Yeah, that's, it, it really perpetuates. It's, it's the fellowship is what will grow the feeling and the camaraderie and the culture that was at that event. And to give you an idea for the, for one of the fellowships that they awarded um, was to a lady who and correct me where I'm wrong, Mesa, but she has a family, she's into saddle making and the fellowship supported her and the saddle maker who is going to teach her. And she gets to go for an extended period of time. Her expenses are paid they provide all, you know, the fellowship provides her with the tools she needs to be able to make a saddle and provides her with the material she needs to make a saddle when she goes home. So it's really, an, is that in the ballpark of what yep. one of the fellowships yep. was? Yep. That's, yes, ma'am. So it's really amazing that 
this is all designed to grow to grow that incredible feeling and event so that you know, more people can can appreciate it. So. Okay, now the important part. When Tara was going last time when we talked, she was bringing a trailer along, and <laughs> we have not heard whether Tara came home with a horse or not. <laughs> I didn't, but if I was to ever go to a horse sale and buy a horse, it would be this one. Um, because you, know, when I saw these horses, sometimes you kind of get a mix. You get... You get some ranch horses or you get some performance horses. And to me, they're very specialized in those areas, even though those horses are still very well-rounded. But at this sale, I saw the most performing ranch horses that I've ever seen. And I thought that's, and that's, that's exactly what Trevor and I tried to produce. And so I, I. Was it an auction for the horses then? Was it done in auction form or were they yeah, just up for yeah. sale? So yeah. what what were the prices? No, it was at, an auction. Out of curiosity, what were, you know, if there was an average or what were the prices going? I think they averaged like 14,000. Yeah, okay. What, uh, our high seller was thir- was 30,000. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, it was a very small sale. Um there was only 18 18 lots and it wasn't uh it was a consignment sale, but I was pretty I was pretty hard on people about what I would let them consign. And, uh, you know, I, I, I asked a lot of people that I knew kind of made the kind of horses that I wanted there. They kind of had first priority. And then uh, I opened it to the public and I had a lot of people send me horses and videos and, and all that. And uh, there was a lot of a lot of really good horses sent. But I was I was so proud of that set of horses and those girls and how of a job they did preparing them and and you know pushing them on social media and it was uh i I don't think it could have been a better set of horses uh for the first year i was really proud of proud of that and proud of them so tara as a reference were those prices good yeah i think you got a bargain to be honest (laughs) yeah really yeah 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 (laughs) i mean because just like what mesa said too is that you um you know, she was pretty particular about what could come. So to me, there's so many things. I, we've bought wonderful horses at a sale, um, but there is this sort of like unknown that comes with it, right? And even some of that was taken away. So the fact that you could buy a performing, experienced ranch horse with some credibility behind it, yeah, <laughs> bargain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that, true. That was, uh, I, I tried to make it as close to buying you know, privately as possible at a sale. And I was really onto these gals about, uh, about being very, uh, transparent, you know, leading up to it and, and putting a lot of, I've really tried to push them to put a lot of live videos of them up and, and they were really just awesome about that. And, uh, I think it was kind of fun for people to, to almost get to know not only the horses, but these, these women too, uh, leading up to the sale. And that's something that I think we'll try to really capitalize on. And and I'm going to try to get, you know, for next year, I, I want to try to get horses consigned a little earlier and uh, and really, you know, let people follow along on the journey throughout the year, getting them ready for the sale. And thus, no fights. And that's why there was no fights. <laughs> and, well, they even had a, you guys did like a handover period, right? Whenever somebody bought a horse, then they had an opportunity afterward to ride that horse and get coached on that horse. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and not a lot of people took up that on that uh, opportunity, which I thought was kind of me and Sandy Collier were talking about it. Like she, you know, Sandy uh, was in the arena and 
and I think I don't think we advertise that enough. Um, so I want to do that too. But yeah, those the people who bought their horses could go and and spend you know up to a couple hours with the new or the previous owner and the clinicians from Art of the Cowgirl, and uh, and kind of get some get some pointers on how to go forward and life with their new horse. So I, I thought that was a pretty cool. That was my mom's idea, and I thought that was a pretty good one. So next year you'll be doing this again, I assume? That's the plan so far. Nobody's told us not to, so. (laughs) Get tickets. Get tickets for your friends. Make them go. They will not regret it. (laughs) Artofthecowgirl.com. And obviously this was in February. Are we we looking at keeping it, or was it in January or February? February. February. I, I think, I'm not positive on the dates for 2020, but I think it's going to be maybe the first week of March. It'll be a little bit later, okay. Let people, you know, go to the American and all that. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit later. We had a lot of people that, uh, we wanted to be there that, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the world's greatest and things like that. So, um, this, this is a time of year is hard to put an event on, but it's also the, the best time too. Everybody wants to get out of the cold. So especially this year, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> options out there, but Please, please come to our event. All right. <laughs> yeah. Have you there? It's yeah. artofthecowgirl.com. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Yeah, great job, Mesa. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, Mesa. Guys so much. All right, take care. Thank you. You didn't come home with a horse? Uh, well, no, I didn't. I have some really great horses here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm not joking. Like I'm not just saying that. If you if I was looking for a horse, that is where I would go. Hmm. Very cool. I'm glad good. you had a good time. And I, you know, does it surprise you that there hasn't been an event like this yet? It does. You know, when it you does. think about, I feel like event- yeah, you feel like there should have been something like this before, or there, you know, it's just surprising sometimes. Uh, I, I think part of it is just like what Mesa said. The real focus of the event was the fellowship, mm-hmm. and it does sort of get lost when you're talking about the things you did. But I think that's why it had the feel that it did. I can't describe it because it really was. It well, that's was what cool. makes it <laughs> different than a show or an expo, right? Mm-hmm. That's what made it different than that, which. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. And you know what? Those trades and those arts that you're talking about are, are lacking with new people coming in. So uh, if it encourages some people to, to join those trades, then, then that's great because we're going to lose some of them. You know, that's right. Some of these, you know, they're the people that are doing them are getting old and they're they're dying off, and we're just not going to have them anymore. So, yeah. so good. Yeah, this good is for preserving them. a lifestyle. Good for them. Well, speaking of lifestyle, you know, it's that time of year when your blankets are starting to wear out, especially this year because it's been so freaking cold and your horses are just destroying <laughs> them. So, uh, God, some of the pictures from the auditors, I don't know if you've been watching them, but their snow is over their heads. They're having to dig tunnels to the barn. It's just crazy this year. Well, let's hear about uh, some blankets from Horseware that can help you out as you have to buy your new ones. From Horseware, we are at the trade show, and I asked her a question. Horseware is really known for blankets and really well-known, and we use them all the time on the English side, but what do you have that fits that hard-to-fit, you know, quarter horse, the Western quarter horse? Our top seller into the Western market is our Bravo 12 Plus Medium. And the medium weight is a 250 gram fill. It comes with a hood that is detachable. 
um, and it's a 1200 denier material. So I know that one of the things that's really important on the western side is to have the hood too. And I, the no hood. No fuzzy necks, please. No fuzzy necks, that's right. And the hood kind of attaches in a different way than most hoods. This is pretty cool. The hood attachment is to minimize any sort of rubbing. So the hook is on the inside of the rug, and then the attachment on the hood is a Velcro. Easy no snaps. Off, off, no snaps, snaps, right. No snaps. So it eliminates the rubbing on the eliminates neck. eliminates rubbing, and it, it's so important to actually keep that neck covered. Um, you spend so much time trying to put condition on that neck. It's a huge, big muscle, and during the colder weather, you're defeating the purpose of having put that, put that effort into maintaining that muscle if you don't have the hood on. Very good, and of course it has the quality, and that's why I wanted to bring this up, because horseware has such quality, lasts such a long time, that I'm really glad to see there's something for the Western market now with that quality. Absolutely. Our, our pattern is fantastic. The fit, the functionality, it, our blankets... And it just lasts a long time. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And the other beauty with our rugs, they are actually crafted so that they don't need leg straps. So when you look at the graphics that we have in our magazines or on our website, you'll see horses at standing, um, trotting, galloping, um, and the, horse, the blanket is designed so that it stays in place and there's no slippage. Very good. Glenn loves that there's no leg straps. I love that. Yes. Horse husband approved. So now where can people find out more about the uh, horseware line of blanket? We have a website that gives a comprehensive um, information on all the sizes, colors, um, and options that are available, and that is horseware.com. And it also ha yeah, it makes it really easy to find out your size and to do all of that on there. I've been on there many times. Horseware.com. Well, thank you to Horseware for their continued support. You can also find them on Facebook. Just search for Horseware. Well, our next guest was on our show back in 2016, but as a lot has happened since then, most of you have heard about Amberly Snyder and know who she is. She was an accomplished high school rodeo athlete who, in January of 2010, had an auto accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, despite the doctors warning her that she would not ride again, she wasn't taking a nap, and she ended up in the saddle just four months after the accident. And through plenty of trials and tribulations, uh, she started to compete again. Well, we want to talk to her today about how it is a movie came about called Walk, Ride, Rodeo about her life, and that premieres on March the 8th. Let's take a listen to the trailer for that movie. I remember the first time I saw you riding. I mean, really riding. You were maybe 10 years old. I got jealous. Such a natural gift. this right we have a real shot at rookie of the year i want you to call me when you get to the hotel love that chair. That is your freedom. Mom, will you promise me that I'll ride again? If I have to strap you in that saddle myself. Now, as you start to do more stuff for yourself, you're going to find that things that once came naturally are now difficult, and that's okay. Maybe you could do something other than rodeo. Rodeo isn't something I do. It's really, it's who I am. 
If I can't ride like I used to, I never want to ride again. Don't you give up. This chair will either be your wings or it will be your anchor. You decide. Bubba, get over here. My legs, Bubba. This is our Hail Mary. Oh, look at that. No matter what life gives you, give more back. Is there a future in rodeo? Damn, I'm really worried. I can't quit. You can put me down now. No, I can't. We don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose what we do next. Amberly Snyder, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back on. That sounds cool to just listen to that. Uh, yeah, it's interesting when you listen and don't see the actual video, isn't it? It's a whole different perspective. Uh, and wow, a lot's it happened. It really is. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> a lot's happened since we had you on last, like a movie. So how did that come about? Um, so that started um, actually quite a few years ago. They started writing the script, and um, it took quite a few years to get formed. But really last spring is when the Netflix deal came into play. And... So we really closed that deal around March or April and started filming in July and August. So we filmed just under five weeks and post-production came into play. I don't know. I'm, I'm fast forwarding really fast into what has happened, but yeah, we, we filmed last summer and it should be on the screen March 8th. And, and you know, Netflix. But, it- yeah. They approached me when they heard about my story. So that was a long time ago that they actually approached you about it. Yeah, they approached me. Um, the first company approached me, I think, in 2013. Um, the second company approached me in 2016. Um, yeah, so it was it was a long process. Yeah, I've been involved with a few film projects, and it's, it is a long process. <laughs> it seems to take forever. So you are, it's interesting, because did you get any input into the actress that ended up playing you? Or, or the, and were you involved in the whole movie process? Were you there on set? And, you know, did, were you there to make sure it wasn't Hollywoodized? Um, I... They they kind of gave me an opinion more than a say. Okay. <laughs> um, even when it came down to the script, there were things that they wanted to change or things they did want to Hollywoodize is the way you would say that. Um, so they did. That was kind of part of it when Netflix took over is that they if they wanted something changed, then they just did. Mm. I um, they sent me the last couple actresses to choose from the actors that play me. Spencer Locke, um, and I had a, I thought that the, they sent me, I think, three or four, and Spencer was my favorite of those three or four, so I was glad that that's who they ended up with. Um, and then on set, I did, I was on set for any of the writing days. I'm my own stunt double, so any of the runs that were made post-accident, I made on power, and then any of the runs that were made pre-accident, my little sister 
was there to run. So we were there for, well, we were there on set as our stunt doubles and did our best to keep the film on track. But like I said, there was definitely times where they just, they liked it bigger. They liked it more dramatic. So that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, isn't it ironic that you were your own stunt double, which is, I I don't know, that doesn't happen too often. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of ironic. No, I don't think that that, yeah, that doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, that was one of my agreements when I, started the film as I just said, you know, I'm the only one in the United States that does what I do. So you can't find someone and tell them <laughs> their legs don't work. Yeah, so exactly. I will I will ride for me. Now Spencer Locke, did, had she ever now I know she's been in movies before and you know she's actually out of Florida here, Central Florida. Had, but and I know she's been in movies and stuff before. Had she ever been a rider or did she know anything about horses? No. Nope. We uh when she got cast and they put her in the role they let her do i think she did like five riding lessons um is it and then they brought her out to my house for two days that was it so we were (laughs) still really new really new and she tried super hard on set um you know they had her do some riding pieces and man she tried hard she really did was it? I mean, she was thrown into into deep water. Was it hard Can for you? you watching yourself? Basically, you know, she's playing you on set, so she's she's reliving the things that you lived. Was it hard for you? Did you keep wanting to go? No, that's like, up. or were you just able to sit back and cheerlead? That depended on the scene. Hmm. Um, some scenes, yeah, I definitely was like, wait a minute, no, 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 that, no, that's not the way that went, or even the way that I had approved in the script. Um, so there were a couple scenes that I was like, nope, no, nope, that's not how we're doing that. Um, and I was able to put my foot down <laughs> probably once or twice and got my way, I think, just because I tried to be pretty good on going with the flow of them changing things or making things bigger. But there was a couple things I was like, "Uh uh-uh, sorry, that one's not, that one's not going to go that way. And so I did that a couple times, but for the most part, I really tried to just be supportive. Me and Spencer, before every scene, um, whether it was a made-up scene or a bigger scene or something, we we would go through every scene of how how did you feel here or how would you feel here? Um, What emotions did you show? What ones did you feel on the inside? You know, she really wanted to portray my character accurately. So, like I said, even the scenes that were maybe more dramatic than they should have been, like she was like, hey, tell me how you felt here. Because I want to try to portray your emotions as accurately as possible. So she did that, and she was amazing at that. And that part I was really grateful for. Was it hard for you at any? You're the one of the most positive people we know, obviously. And, you know, you're a motivational speaker and you're all about getting it done and not letting the wheelchair stop you from doing anything. But were there parts of the filming that brought back memories that were tough? You know, there were there were some some rougher moments. Um there were some days I didn't go to set though yeah. for even avoiding those. So the day that they rolled my truck um, or recreated that scene, um, I planned on going to set. I did. I plan on being there and the director, we just, 
he was always very, he tried to be very cautious of, of the fact that we were reliving my life. So he sat me down and he said, you are more than welcome to come tomorrow to the rolling of your truck. He said, but I'm going to tell you, keep this in mind. Like we are going to roll the truck. Like you were rolled. We're going to have the stunt double fly out of the vehicle. Mm. And he said, and then everyone is going to cheer because we just pulled off an amazing stunt. Mm. He said, so you're welcome to be there, but keep in mind, like, just, just be aware. Like this is the moment that changed your whole life. And we are going to be cheering because we just pulled off a great stunt. So are you ready for that? And I, at first was like, yeah, of course I am. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, ah, no, (laughs) I'm not. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't need to be sitting there. Um, and yeah, watch that moment where literally I started over and have everyone cheer. (laughs) I don't think I'm ready for that. So I didn't go that. So days like that, I didn't go. Um, the hospital scene days, they asked me not to go just so that Spencer could um, not have to be worried that I'm sitting on the other side of the camera and mm. they wanted her to be able to give it 110%. So I didn't go those really emotional raw days, but I was able to see a lot, like any of the writing days I was there for. So that was exciting. Tara? Yeah, that's that's really amazing that they were to th- I always am appreciative of how they think of things like that. And I think it's amazing that she that the actress asked you what you felt and the, just to take that on um just yeah, that's really impressive. It had to be, it had to be hard for her. <laughs> I mean, she knows you're there and she knows she's playing you. That's got to be tough rather than yeah. playing a fictional character, right? Uh, you know, it's got to or you know, a made up character. You you can do anything you want with that. Yeah, that's just a level of commitment. Well, that's yeah, awesome. that's yeah, that's what was interesting. You know, is in between takes, like she'd look over at me and like give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and um, <laughs> just to make sure she got it right. Which is which is why on those really really raw, like she had to be very emotional. Um, I wasn't there just so that she didn't have to second guess herself. Yeah. Um, we would talk about it prior to those scenes, and then they would do them. But I wasn't there watching. Just for that aspect of, yeah, it would be hard to play someone who's literally, like, she's watching you. Yeah, for exactly. You. So, yeah. That, <laughs> did she, yeah. did, you, did you have a discussion with her after she did the movie? Did she have, you know, did she have a new appreciation for what you go through? Did she learn anything that, that she may have shared with you through this process? Um, yeah, I felt like on, on through the process even, on those days that, that were challenging or, or, you know, like those overcome moments. Like she would also come up to me after and just give me a hug and be like, Oh my gosh, do you have any idea? Like you're a badass. And I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, if that's how I feel all the time, but she just would constantly say that. She's like, I hope you just know how amazing you are. Like that you, she's like, and I know I'm doing it for camera, but to even just have a moment of, of, you know, that challenge or that moment of overcoming something. She's like, I, I, yeah, just a lot of respect for that. And I appreciated that because I know what it was like. (laughs) There were tough moments, but yeah, for her to relive it, she did. She did. And she really is great. We still talk. We, we, 
she calls me her twin. So we still talk a lot. Um, we get to watch the film together on March 4th. So that will be fun. To Have do you, as well. You've seen it though, right? I'm assuming. Yes, yes, yes. I have seen it. Um, but yeah, the premiere for, for us, like for the whole group, cast, crew, all of that is on March 4th. So we haven't watched it like together, but we both have watched it. Do you get it. to do a red carpet, the fancy dress and the whole thing? Not like a red carpet. It's more like a laid back style. Okay. But we're just, <laughs> we're just getting together as the whole group. But yeah, not like the red carpet, be fancy, that whole thing. But we are getting together for it. Like you're going, are you going, are you doing it in Utah or where are you guys going to view it? No, we will do it at the Netflix, um, at their theater. I'm trying to think of what they call it. Oh, anyway, Netflix has the place. It's in LA. So we'll, okay. we'll fly down there and meet everyone there. In How LA. cool is I'm that? Getting my, my family gets to come out for it. So that's super fun. Yeah. How cool is that? That's very cool. I'm so glad that uh, that this happened, that you got to do it. Um, so what did you think? You got to watch the movie. Obviously, there were scenes that you weren't there when they were filmed. What did you think in the end where, you know, you're watching a movie? It's freaky to watch a movie about yourself. Let's start there. It's got to be freaky. I don't care what your <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Because it's not like you thought, no one, I don't think anyone comes into the world and is like, a movie's going to be made about me one day. Like, I don't think anyone comes in. <laughs> yeah, especially about oh. the most tragic event in my life. I mean, yeah. you got that thrown in. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So that was, that was kind of crazy just how all that came to play. Or even sitting on the side of the road after my accident, waiting for somebody to come and find me. It wasn't as though I sat there and said, someone will write about this one day. Like that was definitely not what was going through my mind. Um, so that part is crazy. It is. It is crazy that it actually happened and, and came into play. Um, so the movie, it's good. It's good. There were definitely some things I would have wanted different, but I feel like that would have just happened anyway. I mean, right. they had to shove, they, they started it in 2009 and ended it in 2015 at the American. So, I mean, they had to shove six years worth of life into an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So what came with that was um, we filmed so many scenes and so many shots. um, And then they couldn't use, obviously they can't use them all because they wouldn't all fit. You guys would be there for a very long time watching about my life if they did that. So um, it was interesting to see like what they felt like was important enough to be in or what even fit and what didn't fit. And there would have been a couple things I might have changed or wished that they had in there that I felt like were really big moments. But, you know, maybe they just didn't quite fit in with the scene or with the storyline. Um I wish they'd emphasized my whole family a little bit. Just the fact that we're all very, very different. You know, my, my dad played baseball. My brothers played baseball. My one brother still plays baseball. My sister was a gymnast. Um, just that that's one of my favorite parts about my family is that we all are so unique and talented in our own ways. Um, they didn't capture that. And I wish that they had, but, 
I'll just tell people about it so then they'll just know, I guess. <laughs> but the message is right. Well, I got to tell okay, you. Yeah. That's there, what I was wondering. Is the message yes, right? The message yeah. Is right. Uh, yes. Obviously, yes, there was the a love right. interest in the movie. Was that all accurate? No. <laughs> no. <they're>, uh... <laughs> no. So when, when Netflix, I shouldn't say that like that, huh? <laughs> but um, when Netflix got a hold of it, there was a couple scenes that had a boy in it. Um, and man, they grew that. So... No, it's so not. he didn't catch you, that, carry you across the threshold, is. and kiss you, and never want to put you down. You're disappointing every heartbroken teenage girl out there right now. You know that, Amberly. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. There is, there is one line. There is one line in there that is accurate um, with a past boyfriend, um, and it is at the end, and it is a very, very touching line. Um, I say and it's not in there yet, but. You'll see it when you watch it. And I say, um, you're the first person that made me feel like I'm not in this chair. So that particular boy that I had dated, I had said that too. That was a real line. Um, And I think that was part of it is when they heard that part, they were like, oh my gosh, well then we have to make this story bigger. (laughs) Like we have to make it. Well, it's Huge. a formula, right? So, Even if it's a, about a real person, you have to have the love interest. You, there's a formula to making a movie. It's got to have the drama and the love interest and the oh, emotion yeah. and all of that. So, uh, but you know oh, what's, yeah. what's well, they did it. They, they threw it in there. <laughs> and what's cool is it does get it does give you exposure. You know, uh, we 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 are really involved and we really help the para riders. Uh, you know, for the United States para team, and we've been involved with them for ten years now. And I think any of this kind, even if it is fictionalized a bit, even if it is a little over the top in some places, it does expose that there's a world out there and there's people doing extraordinary things in the horse world that you may not see all the time. So I think you've done that. And congratulations for helping get that word out. So, thank you. Yeah, that's the part I am excited about is that there, I know that there's people out there that want to ride or for some reason, you know, haven't heard my story or have felt like that they're in a situation that they don't have control. And I hope that that's what I mean when the message is right. I feel like it gives those people strength. Um, and it doesn't have to be them. Heck, we all have something. Um, you well, just happen just... to be able to see mine on the outside, but. We all have something, and I do hope that it just gives people the strength, heck, to even get it one more day. Like, I think that sometimes we we live minute to minute, and if this gets them one more minute, then it serves the right purpose. I'm going to correct you with one thing. It's not the movie that's going to give them that. It's you that gives them that. (laughs) Yeah. So. Well, thank you. I do hope that that is the case. Well, that helps me survive minute to minute. Well, and you know that, and you've done the. Obviously, as I said, you're one of the most positive people. You're out there speaking and and talking, and you're right. Whether it's a physical or a mental uh, issue that somebody has, y- your inspiration just shows them that they can overcome that. So, so good job. I can't wait to watch it now. I did not get a pre-screening, so I'm so excited for March the 8th when we can actually all watch it, and we'll definitely be talking about it on the show here after that. Congratulations, and well done. Good job. Thanks, Amberly. Thank you. Thank you so much. I do hope you love it. 
Well, you're on Facebook. You can find Amberly Snyder on Facebook. She only has about uh, about a quarter million followers, so you can head on over there to Facebook and be one of those. She posts all kinds of stuff, and there is, if you look back down through her timeline, you're going to see some videos about the making of the movie and different things that happened along the way. So congratulations, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Take, take care. Well, there you go. She is an inspiration, and uh, it is cool to hear about the making of a movie, but how weird is it would be to have a movie mm. made, you're, tw- you're not even 30 yet, and there's a movie being made about your life. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of freaky in a way. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you say, no one wakes up thinking they're going to have a uh, movie made about them, but come on, don't you have a theme song, Glenn? Don't you have like your, this would be my theme song? Uh, no. What? Do you? What's yours? I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know, there's like songs where like, yeah, this is my song today. That's all I kind of think about. I think, oh, yeah, theme song. Even, there's like some, I've seen the commercial where the guy, it's he's walking down the street with like an 80s boombox and he's, and he's listening to his music. And I don't remember what the brand is for, so it probably wasn't a great commercial, right? But it says, <laughs> what's your theme song? So I have to think about what my theme song is. Don't you have like a theme song when you go driving? Or Jen, don't you have one when you're getting ready for a competition? Don't you have like a... Maybe that's no? why we failed, is because we don't have a theme song. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> no, my, my theme song is the Kit Kat jingle. That's my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's well, hear... Actually, I wish... Hey, hey Glenn, yeah. you, you do have... I do? You do have a theme song. Yeah. Yes, and, it, and you can't find it in your computer right now, so I found it in my computer. But unfortunately, I can't play it for you. What's that? It's the it's the turtle. Remember the turtle? Oh yes, 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 yes. God, I have to find that. All right, Tara. For the next episode, we're together. Jennifer, you send me the link, and I'll play it by the end of the show. Okay. Okay. Let's all bring our theme songs to the next episode. <laughs> right. Well, first, let's hear about the Illinois Horse Fair, <laughs> and then we're going to go to your next guest, who's waiting patiently, wondering what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> Hey, everybody, you don't want to miss the Illinois Horse Fair that's coming up the end of this week on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Illinois State Fairgrounds in Springfield, Illinois. A variety of clinicians will be there covering many styles of riding, including Steve Landfit on communicating naturally and negotiating trail obstacles, Melissa Hughes-Smith on saddle seat riding, Taryn Warren on working equitation, Hannah Kaufman on barrel racing, and many, many more. Plus, there are a ton of vendors selling anything you might want for your horse. And speaking of horses, there will be sale horses there as well. Get all the information at IllinoisHorseFair.com. That's IllinoisHorseFair.com. And your guest is ready. All right. Well, um, Ann Raposa in the auditor group, she, after the last episode, she, she sent me a message and said, I bought my gelding six months ago in Arkansas and the person she bought the horse from acquired that horse from a movie set in Louisiana. And it actually, interestingly enough, was a Netflix original movie called the high women, Bonnie and Clyde, which is do also due out in March. So this is like a Netflix episode. Uh, anyway, he was sold to her as a quarter horse with no papers. She got incredibly lucky. He's wonderful, perfect for her gelding, but she'd love to know more about where he came from, but she didn't know where to start. So she sent me a couple of pictures. Um, and then she sent me a close up of his brand 
And so I reached out to Barry Allen, who has been a brand inspector for 16 years. In 2005, he was law enforcement um, ex- specialized. And now he is the area supervisor for the southeast corner of New Mexico. And I said, hey, could you help us out with this? And could you help us out just in general with brands and and how that all works? So, Barry, thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, ma'am, Tara. How are you today? (laughs) Doing well, thank you. So, tell us a little bit about the pictures or the brand that I sent you for Ann's horse. And and he's a black 2012 quarter-horse gilding. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you did when you first got the information, kind of what your process was to figure out what you could, what you could find out about this horse? Right. What I did first, Terry, you sent me the email from her and I kind of went back to where she acquired the horse from that CR Spur is a, that's a neat looking brand. Um, probably a brand that someone put on that horse to make sure they knew where it came from. Although the, I did go back to the Louisiana database and also tried to get into Arkansas a little bit, and it didn't come from either one of those states. So, so what I go ahead, Tara. No, no, I, I thought you were waiting for me to ask you a question, so keep at it. <laughs> no, what I would, you know, if I could talk to Ann, I would like to know, you know, if she could get a little more information of where they purchased the horse from would be. You know, my next question for her, uh, if we could trace it kind of a little bit more that way, different states have their own brand databases and without going into every one of them, and even some states list them by counties. So it becomes a little more difficult to just go into a state like Texas has however many counties and each county has its own brand database. So... And not every not every state has it online. Or no, is, not every and, state does have it online. And it it. Go ahead, Tara. And is every is and is anyone able to go and look up brands within a state's database or county's database, or do you have to be a brand inspector to do that? No, you can. Some of them have them where you can go in and look them up. Uh, as an individual, and some don't. Uh, it just depends on what state you go into. Uh, New Mexico, you can go into our brand database and look some brands up if you want to. And where do you do? You just search. And, do you just Google I, brand database New Mexico or brand database Texas? How, well, how if you go, no, it? you'd go to uh, right. You'd go into the New Mexico Livestock Board. Just Google it, and then they're going to have. Uh, the brand department listed on that page. You can go to that brand department and then go to the uh, uh, brand search. How would you search though? Because you know what it looks like, but so do you just have to look through a million if, pictures? If I was searching a brand <laughs> in New Mexico, well, but you, you'd start off that brand as a CR three quarter stack. So you're going to, you're going to first, you know, just mark a C and then go to the R and then do a search on that. Okay. And it'll give you every CR brand listed in the state of New Mexico. And you can kind of go down through there and start looking for the specific brand that you're interested in to see where it came from. And that CR Spur is going to be authentic type brand. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So, so basically, Ann's horse. You tried, you tried his brand in Louisiana because that's the that's the last known place of origin, and you didn't see this CR that's spur exactly. in Louisiana. So then you right. tried Arkansas because right. that's where the, and it wasn't listed yeah. there. So, Ann, you can go to the no. next forty-eight states <laughs> and, and the sub counties to start looking. So, so what's the so if yeah, if it's if, this hard to find something by a brand, why? What are the? Is branding really that effective for a horse, or is it more effective for cattle? It, it really kind of is. It it's well, it's more effective for cattle uh, for sure. And it is effective on horses. It does get us a uh, uh, ownership identification on the horses. And uh, if Ann would have bought that horse from someone and they they listed the brand and where it came from, it becomes real easy. A lot of people, your your higher breeding uh, type places, they want to put their brand on those horses so that people know where those horses came from. They're very proud of those horses. They want uh, for someone that sees that CR spur to know that horse came from this breeding facility. Sort of like a business card. You see that nice looking horse or that nice performing uh-huh. horse, you go, Hey, yep. that's, Oh, that's so-and-so. Right. Yeah. yeah. And whoever if, put that brand on Ann's horse did a very good job of it. That's a, that's a good job branding that horse. And her, her horse is a black horse and it has a freeze brand. And so a freeze brand, uh-huh. can you tell people a little bit about the difference between a freeze brand and a hot brand? A freeze brand and a hot brand. Freeze brand on a black horse is going to come out white like that. Uh, typically, if you're going to put that brand on a white horse or a gray horse, it might come out black. It's going to be a distinct change in the color. A fire brand is going to not have a change in color. It's going to alter the height of the horse in that way, and you'll be able to follow it that way. And then it'll hair back over. And and they're not uh, sometimes as easy to see as the freeze brands. It's the freeze brand causes a distinct uh, you know, change in the hair color. Yeah. And how does a freeze brand work? Can you tell people how, like what you actually do when you freeze brand a horse? You know what? I have never freeze branded a horse in my life. Uh, <laughs> you just Terry, inspected them. You probably them. know more about freeze branding than I <laughs> he do. He only sees them after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how yeah. it works, Tara? Uh, you know, they <laughs> use. Uh... Tara, do you know how it works? Tara, do you know how, you know how it I... works? I just know that you get it super duper cold. You have to kind of shave the area a little bit and then you get it super cold. And I don't know if you use CO2 or something else. I don't know what it is you actually use. Uh, And then you don't even have to hold it on very long. And you, it's a mild sedation for the horses that I've seen it done on. Um, And then away you go. And then it grow, the hair grows back. Is it less trauma than a hot brand? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Less trauma because it's it's not as painful. That's but what I mean. if you were to yeah. if you were to uh, use a hot brand on a horse, then you would sedate the horse. Right. You know, but yeah, yeah, but I mean it's less trauma yeah. to the skin yeah. and all of that too. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. one of the things thinking about hot brands, uh, kind of moving over to the the cattle side of things. One of the things that I didn't know. So like you can sell a horse without it having a brand. Is that right? Yeah. Or does that depend that is on the correct, state? Tara. Okay. So then, no, but cattle, no, you can sell a horse without a, without a brand. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But cattle, cattle, do they have to have a brand? Well, they do in the state of New Mexico. Uh, okay. If you go to Texas, Texas is, uh, you can sell cattle in the state of Texas without a brand. 
and once again, it kind of goes back to what the laws are in the state that you're living in and the state that you're doing business in. Now, one of the, New Mexico is a brand law state, and we do require them to be branded. So if a rogue cattle gets in from Texas and aren't branded, they're <laughs> illegal New Mexico cows, is well, what it comes They're legal, you just can't legally sell them. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you have to brand right, them before right. you can sell They're them. here, and, and then we would try to go through a process to try to figure out who that thing belonged to. Uh, we actually live where I work, right <laughs> on the Texas state line, so we do get some of those over here that uh, may not have a brand and we try to work with the people across the state line to figure out who they belong to. Do you and, put a bus, put them in a bus and ship there. them back? Do you bring <laughs> them back to Texas? I'm just kidding here. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, actually we, we take them to our holding pins and hold them there and try to figure it out. <laughs> so now in, because New Mexico is a brand state, but one of the things too, that people don't realize is that we, we require a horse to have a brand inspection for transport. So most places you have to have a Coggins right. and a health cert, but New Mexico also requires a brand inspection. So can you tell us a little bit about brand inspection type papers and, you know, why that's valuable yeah. for different owners? We, uh, you're right, Tara, in New Mexico, we do require brand inspections and we have districts in New Mexico and, um, horses have to have an inspection leaving a certain district or they have to have an inspection leaving the state. Now we have in New Mexico, what we call permanent ownership papers, uh, where we go out and actually take a picture of the horse, uh, both sides. And then a, a front view of the horse, we put those pictures on the permanent ownership papers. And then that allows that person to travel, uh, in state or out of state anytime they want to. And so what uh, help- and they do not have to have a brand. But what's helpful for that ahead, is if Tom. that horse with that horse was it ever got out and lost or if the horse was stolen, in some ways that's a whole separate database for being able to track down a horse, right? It is, Tara. It's recorded on our database in Albuquerque, uh, and we're able to go to that. And then if that horse has a microchip, uh, any particular something about that horse, if the horse is branded with that person's uh, personal brand, we log all that information on our 1-H papers, and it allows us to be able to go back to that and track those horses. So like with dogs, we, you know, we have our dogs, we have a collar on them, and we'll put their name and their number. But with horses, one way is yeah. brands, one way is a brand inspection. But there's a couple other ways that you can help identify your horse and, and some history on your horse. And uh, one of those is microchipping. Do you... How do you guys yeah. do? You, does do brand inspectors do they have a wand that helps with microchipping, or do you have to go we to do, a vet? We do, but typically your local vet. Well, your local vet would have a wand. We could identify that, but the livestock board has wands too. That uh, you could wand those horses and see if they were chipped. If you come across one that you did not know who it belonged to, uh, we could sure do that. And and do another. Do that. Another place I came across, we were at a horse show one time and they came up and took pictures of our horse's eyes and the system was called ID. And he said that that is basically a mother nature's version of microchipping. Hmm. It, it yeah, is, is that- uh, essential to your human fingerprint. The, the, if they take a picture of the eye of that horse, uh, that is essential to you breaking the law, Tara. 
and they take your fingerprint and put it into a database. Yeah. Did did they suspect you of something, Tara? Or was <laughs> no, I'm not sure why you use that reference, Barry. But thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought, well, uh, what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, well, well we were you know, when around. I started, y'all were talking about movies and all this, and I thought, you know, Tara, I don't know, there's no telling. <laughs> oh, okay, great. This is how things get. Hey, Tara, started. we're running out of time. <laughs> Well, I just, uh, this, the ID thing, when I told, when I told Barry about it, he said, yeah, they use that for sheep and cattle and all of that. So there's so many ways that yeah. you can, um, that you can help identify your horse or, you know, protect, protect your horse as far as uh, helping him, helping find out more about him. So I appreciate you coming on today, Barry, and, uh, telling us a little bit about brands and, and inspections. And I appreciate you find doing what you could to find out more about Ann's horse. But if you've got a horse that, that has a brand that you'd like to find out more about, the best place is to try to go to that state's uh, brand records and see what you can find. And then, and then kind of go, go from there. So, but, and maybe a brand inspector in your well, area could help you out. That's exactly All right. right. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, All right, sir. thanks, guys. Appreciate Bye-bye. you. Right. See you. Appreciate. Bye. Well, there you go. You know, and it's so weird, come, grow, you know, being in the English world because so few of our horses are branded. So it, it's a whole different perspective. Um, you know, or you know, with thoroughbreds, obviously they're under the lip, but they're not visual. You know, um, so it is interesting to yeah. see the different uh, the different worlds. I ha- I found my song. Uh, Jennifer sent it over Ooh. to me. So this, I don't know how this came to be, but it was like 25 years ago or something. I mean, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and somebody sent it to me. I think it was one of my good friends because, I don't know, it just kind of fit me. And uh, you're going to laugh. So here we go. Uh, this, by the way, you can't see the visual, but this is a turtle singing this. My gosh. I was walking down the street on a sunny day. Hubba, 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 hubba. I feel it in my bones as I have my way. Hubba, 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 hubba. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Oh, it is good when things are going your way. Hey, hey. There it is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm a happy boy. So there oh, you, you are. Go. That's a great song. <laughs> you know, I haven't played that in probably 10 years. I know. I totally even <laughs> that, forgot that. That fits in perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get your boombox out. Take it with you everywhere, Glenn. <laughs> and the turtle singing is hilarious. So it's yeah. funny. Uh, we'll post the turtle song. And you know what? We'll ask everybody in the, uh, on our Facebook page for Horses in the Morning. I'll post that. And we'll ask everybody what their song is. And we'll see what other people's yeah. songs are. I think that's a great idea. Wait, you should create a playlist i think you can create a playlist on itunes and share it with people you should make a playlist of the auditor theme songs (laughs) and the unfortunate part is we can't play most of the songs on the show i'm sure this one is not copyrighted so um, yeah but like i could add that playlist to my phone yeah that's right i'm gonna jam with the auditors today (laughs) good we'll ask that well tara thank you so much for putting this episode together we really appreciated some fascinating guests today and remember march the 8th is when amber lee's movie comes out and that movie again is called ride or walk ride rodeo walk period ride period rodeo period so we'll we'll see that movie coming out and we'll do a review on the show after 
to talk about yeah. it and, and what we thought of it. I hope there's no fake Winnies. I hope that she was able to keep the fake Winnies out. That's my only, <laughs> that's my only hope. <laughs> and we also have to look for Anne's horse in the movie, the other Netflix movie that's coming out in March. Do you know the name of it again? The Highwaymen, Bonnie and Clyde. The Highwaymen, that sounds good anyway. So, uh, and and did you, and what's the horse look like again? So we know which one we're looking for. Well, yeah, it's a black horse and it has a CR spur on the hip. Okay. So we'll see if Anne will post some pictures of it in the group. That's very cool. We yeah. have the neatest uh, listeners. We really do. Well, thank you, Tara. Where can people find you guys? We're at carterranchhorse.com. Anything coming up they need to know about? Uh, we're going to Vegas for a show and, you know, just doing horse shows. And by the way, if you see, if you happen to see Carter Ranch Horse or you see the sign or you see the stalls and you see Tara hanging around, she is the friendliest person ever. Go say hi. (laughs) Yeah, please come say hi. Actually, that's how I met her was back at, uh, what, a lot of years ago, back at Road to the Horse. That's right. And she looked friendly and I went up and said, hi, that's how I met her. So, (laughs) and here we are all these years later. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Jamie will be here. And then Thursday is the second of the grooming episodes that we're doing every month. And then we have a special weekend episode coming up. We have horse husbands. And this month, um, I, we did a little round table with some auditor husbands. And one of those auditor husbands is Helena, uh, original host of Stable Scoop. Uh, Buck is coming on, and they don't know it yet, but I'm putting them through a horse trivia quiz to see what they've learned from their wives. So <laughs> that's coming up on the horse husbands episode and a little comedy too. All of that. And Tara will be back next month. Uh, you can find all of the past Western episodes. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page. You're going to see a whole bunch of little banners of the monthly episodes. Click on the Western one, and it'll bring up all the past episodes. You can go take a listen to them there. Thanks, Tara. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you.